everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I just have our poser extraordinaire, Nitai. Wow, it's like 1am here, It's not and not 4am, it's nice. <laughs> and you're slightly drunk. <laughs> I'm a bit tipsy, not gonna lie. <laughs> Ever so slightly drunk. Um, so yeah, we have a little bit of a special episode tonight. We're, Natai and I are going to be talking about an anime that's um, come out in the last couple of years that I think both he and I feel is really special. And it's going to be sort of like a review slash spoiler cast in a way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, heads up for that, and what what we will be talking about tonight is, um, the anime, specifically the anime, uh, March Comes In Like a Lion. So, yeah. um, first of all, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, I think both of us highly, highly recommend it. Um. For sure. Like, go ahead and, it's all, like, it's all online, both seasons, they're both great, just go watch it. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, fantastic. it's, it's, um, uh, both seasons are available on Crunchyroll. Um, there's also an English dub for the first season that's up on Crunchyroll, which is also really, really good. Um, but yeah, we, we will potentially, why well, we, not potentially, we definitely will be spoiling a few things, uh, here mm-hmm. and there from the anime. So, uh, take that at your peril. Um, if you haven't seen it and you're still going to join us anyway, I congratulate you because just like me, you buy into the spoiler paradox. Um, <laughs> Have you ever heard of the spoiler paradox? Actually, I haven't, but go for it. Oh, is okay. it like a principle of, okay, now that you spoil it for me, I'm kind of curious and want to watch it myself? Well, the spoiler paradox, there was a study that was done, I can't remember where it was, but there was a study that was done a few years ago that showed pretty conclusively that people, by and large, will actually enjoy a work of fiction more if it's spoiled before they enjoy it. That That kind of, I'm not going to lie, I can see where... Why is that a thing? Because many times that like I was told about a thing or spoiled about something, I was like, "Oh wait, that's kind of cool," and then I would go ahead and watch it. So yeah. So anyway, that was a complete tangent. But yes, the spoiler paradox. I believe in it. And if you're still here and you haven't seen it, you do too. So congratulations. Um, I think we'll just we'll just start off with something simple. So March the Black Lion is um, a show. The first season was animated by Sh- both seasons were animated by Shaft. Um, the first season. Started in uh, fall of 2016? Yeah, 2016. Yeah, fall 2016, indeed. Um, Both seasons have 22 episodes. um, So they kind of rolled over into the following year. So the second season, which started fall of last year, uh, had rolled into the winter of 2018. Um, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about winter 2018, though. Oh, never mind. For the second season. Um, Keep up, you drunkard. Uh, Fuck. But yeah, it's based on what is still an ongoing manga series by mangaka uh, Chika Umino, um, who also is the mangaka responsible for Honey and Clover. Uh, so really? I mean, that's where you get the very similar character designs from. Um, oh. And it's actually been in publication since uh, July of 20, uh, 2007. Um, so yeah, and it's still going on. Um Hopefully, I'm hoping that when we'll talk about this later, I'm really hoping that Shaft gives us the uh, Monogatari treatment and gives us a complete adaptation, but we'll see. Um, For sure. But yeah, should we just uh, kind of go ahead and get right into it? Yeah, let's let's jump in. All right, so first thing I want to talk about is kind of how we got introduced or we heard about the show and what initially hooked us about it. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start with myself. Like, 
it's a Shaft show. I knew it was a Shaft show going in, and it, Shaft is my absolute favorite anime studio. So I knew I was going to watch it, regardless of how it ended up being. Um, I didn't know if I would finish it, obviously, but I, de- I definitely knew I was going to give it a shot. And um, I also love like slow slice of life shows, so that's what hooked me. I realized after watching like the first or second episode, really after like the second episode, this is going to be like a really slow paced slice of life that was going to play out over time. And I was like, at the time, I really needed it. Um, because when the first season aired, I was actually not having a really great time in my life. Um, so this definitely kind of helped me through that. Um, but yeah, I was hooked right away from the art style to, I mean, it's shafty shaftiness, um, Mm -hmm. to just, just everything. Even the color palette that they use in the show is just absolutely gorgeous in my opinion. Yeah. When I, like, I remember back when... I heard about the show when, when it first aired. I was like, okay, that's a thing. But I didn't really pay much attention to it. Uh, but then, back then, I wasn't a mainstay on the podcast. But you guys invited me in for uh, an episode. And Tom actually talked about it quite a bit. And said, oh, yeah, you should give it a try. So, I did. And that's that That first season, I think, was the first... Was my introduction to Shaft. And what type of shows or style like they master and and right off the bat the first episode starts with like a very impressive sequence of uh, Ray the main character just standing and it's a very visceral type of depiction of what uh, place he has in the world you could say and in a, a kind of depressing depressing way and right from the get-go it was very just it was very compelling, you could say, um, and I think I was I was very interested in not not really for the slice of life aspect because that was a genre I didn't really dabble in that much, but more for the drama, which as the first season went along, you had more and more of it, as you know for sure. So that oh yeah, that, yeah, that's my introduction for the show. Um, I mean, you use the word visceral. I think that's probably the best word to describe the feel of the show. Yeah. Um, it's just so much of of the story isn't even told through the dialogue or the character interactions. It's it's told through just the look and feel of the scenes that are set mm-hmm. up. Um, like there there's so many there's so many scenes peppered throughout both seasons where there's multiple minutes of just silence, and yeah, it says so much. Like um, there's. Well, we'll talk about this later, but just like the, the the it's one of the few anime where I can say that the silence says as much as the dialogue. The music is also like a big factor in that, you know. Like the soundtrack is terrific in my opinion for both seasons, so Oh yeah, absolutely. Um but I think you also you talked about something that I definitely want to get into and that's the main character, the protagonist Ray. Yeah. Um Ray Kiriyama. Rei Kiriyama. Um, I think that for me personally, that was what hooked me the most. Like, mm. he is, in my opinion, after watching both of these seasons that we have, he has become one of my all time favorite anime characters. Um, and I think that it's just the way that he's portrayed in the show. It's like, I've watched a lot of anime in my life and I've yeah. there's there's parts of 
other characters that I see like a little bit of myself in, but there's never been a character that I've seen so much of my own personal self in as I do with Rei Kiriyama. Like, just the way he acts and the way he talks and and just the kind of life that he lives, I, I see so much of myself in it, and that's kind of why... I gravitate so much toward him, and it's certainly why I gravitated to this show. Mm. Yeah, he's Ray is a fascinating character. I mean, and we'll talk about his like how he grows up the more you watch the show and as the story progresses. But right from the get go, not a, I'm I'm really int- I really want to go back and watch the show from the first episodes and kind of maybe watch the first season as a whole but when i think about it he has a lot of type he has a a lot of like mannerisms which remind me of uh actually someone i a, a very close friend of mine like he has this i like ah it reminds me of like a certain interaction he has with uh, akari which is one of the side characters which we'll get into later um he this this character called akari she's uh like a big sister of uh three sisters he is in a really good relationship with. And I think it was in the first episode or second episode where I was like this text exchange with her on the phone. And she, because she knows he f- feels like he's always kind of like being a dead weight on other people, she kind of uses that not in a manip- like in a manipulative way, but in a positive way to get him to go and come over and say hi to them by telling them, oh yeah, we need groceries and stuff like that. And she tells him it in a way that that gets him to feel like, oh, okay, well, I'll go and say hi to him. Because she knows it'll make you feel better to see, like, to actually talk to other people. And that type of interaction really reminds me of someone. So now, in hindsight, it actually, it's kind of weird to think about it, that Ray is kind of similar to someone I know. So that's fascinating, in my opinion. He's a very... Because when you think about it, like, the subject matter of... The show, like depression, is very hard to write. You know, at least to write in a manner that feels both realistic and not really like, how could you say, over the top? Yeah, it's it's very difficult to write well. Yeah, and they nail it so well with Ray. It's it's impeccable in my opinion. And, and you know, as someone who also personally suffers from depression myself, right? It's what they get so right about it is just how subtle it can be. Like, depression isn't always looming over you and hanging on you. Like, there are times when it's it's better, and there are times when it's a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the way they portray Ray as dealing with this, the depression that he has, is just spot on. Where there's times that when he's surrounded by people, he can be shown as being the most alone person in the room. But then yeah. there's times when he's alone where he seems like he's the most happiest person in the world. Yeah. And I I can't really explain it with words. It's it's something that I think a lot of people have to experience. I think there's to a certain degree there are a lot of people who experience it at some point in their lives where you just feel like a burden to everyone around you and you just want the whole world to go away. And I think that Ray as a character exemplifies that so much and so subtly and so well that it makes him it makes it makes it really hard not to like root for him. It makes it, it makes it really hard for you not to feel for him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and beyond yeah. his like attitude in the show itself, you know, like we talked about, we talked about how Shaft is like are just masters of their own craft, and it shows in this show because they use so many good like visual storytelling in order to get that sort of feel of depression to the viewer. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they show it through their color palette. They show it through, like, just the character expressions. They show mm-hmm. it through just every, like, even with the music. Um, but it, it very all... Very melancho- melancholic soundtrack. Uh, so, absolutely. Like, soundtracks are, like, very melancholic. Absolutely. I mean, kind of along the lines of how Shaft handled the 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 um, the soundtrack for a specific part of the Monogatari series, the Subasa Tiger arc. Very true. I thought it was very, very. I think that the the way that the soundtrack is used in the show is very similar to how the soundtrack was used in that particular arc of the Monogatari series, mm. um, especially with showing like a specific character's depression and how they're dealing with it. Um, but um, like, it, and it all leads back to Ray because Ray himself grows almost completely throughout both seasons as a result of his interactions with other characters. And then yeah. how he internalizes what he feels about those people. And the crazy thing is that it's super subtle. Like, I think the first, like, I think the, when when the second season started airing, the first episode aired, and the moment it ended, it kind of hit me. It's like, shit, Ray changed. But not like in a jarring way. It's like, wow, when I contrast the first episode of season two to the first season... It's like night and day, but it yeah. felt so organic and real because it it is a journey for him. And then throughout the second season, especially when he's kind of going, like, growing up and trying to, like, beat this depression and how he interacts with other people now that he's kind of more, let's say, um, capable or competent, you could say. It's It's fascinating because it's not like he doesn't see it. But yeah. us, the viewers, and some characters see that he he grew up, and it's remarkable, in my opinion, seeing how subtle and organic it felt. Yeah, I mean, I I I completely agree. Um, but like I, as I mentioned, like with the other characters, this this show has one of the best casts of supporting characters I think I've ever seen in anime. It's not huge, but the characters that they do have are they all have a specific role to play. Yeah, the core cast life. is, like, very strong. Yeah, the, like, the core four or five people are, like, so it's, like, the strongest, like, bond between characters that I think I've ever seen in an anime. Certainly yeah. the way it's portrayed is. Yeah, um, we touched on Akari, who is part of the Kawamoto sisters, and I think we can yeah. talk about that even more now. Yeah, I mean, we have the the three sisters, as you mentioned, Akari, the oldest sister, Hinata, the middle sister, who is expertly voiced by Kana Hanazawa. I think it's actually, along with um, her role in the Monogatari series, I think this is actually one of her best roles. For um, sure. And then you have the youngest sister, who's actually a preschool student, Momo, who is, abs- every scene she's in is absolutely adorable <laughs> and precious and yeah, just everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the those are the three that he has probably the most interaction with that and their grandfather, um, who's also like in the house. Um, mm-hmm. It's I mean it's kind of put out there pretty early on 
in the first season that um, the sister, the Kawamoto sister's parents are both dead. Um, Just like Ray's, actually. Yeah. Um, and basically it's the grandfather that sort of raised them, uh, more or less. And now Akari's kind of taken on the role of the mother, even though she's having to, like, raise sisters. Yeah. Um, Because Akari's, like, 24 while Hina is in, like, is about to go to high school. Yeah, she's, like, in the, uh, quote-unquote, senior year of middle school. Um, I don't know if it's actually called that, but it's, like, the final year of middle school. Um, yeah, and Akari is 20, I think she's 23. Okay. Um, if I remember same, correctly. Same. She's she's in her early 20s. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then, like I said, Momo's in preschool. So, but she definitely takes on the mother figure. And it, it's really interesting um, watching Ray specifically interact with these sisters because the more I watched, the more I kind of thought that Akari was, like, a really good mother figure, and then Ray was coming in being like a father figure to the other two girls. And it's yeah, why, in some for, way. for such a long time, I thought, like, I really wanted Ray and Akari to, like, hook up. Yeah, both of us felt like... Um, felt I thought way. that it was the most natural thing, but then after the second season, I'm thinking, I might be on the Ray, he not to train a little bit here. <laughs> um, But it's just, it's... It's great that the only word that keeps coming to mind with this is uh, that it's about like belonging. Like Ray, yeah. Ray is because he because Ray had a, an adopted family that kind of well, at least the children in the adopted family kind of shunned him. For and sure. then his both of the his adopted parents or well his mother for sure was like eh, let them do what they want to do. That's in that situation because we need to keep in mind that when he joined that adopted family when they took him in, it's because of the father was a professional shogi player, which is also by the way a big factor of the show shogi and raised like a professional shogi yeah. player. Himself. But that's not what this show is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At but all. Just to clarify, just like for context, what their kind of relationship is. So once the father saw how Ray is like just a genius in shogi, he kind of gave more attention to him than his own children, which can, which made them really hate Ray in some way. It certainly which, made them jealous. Yeah, and you know, he re- Ray realized that, and he felt like he's kind of tearing this family apart, not because he's like trying, but because this is just how it is. So that's why I left, and when he came across the Kawamoto family and they took him in because he was in a very bad place. It was because he needed help. And ever since he's been trying to kind of repay them for what they did to him and how they helped him, which is kind of beautiful in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, It's also worth pointing out that, that his adopted family don't really have much to do with him at all. Especially yeah. his uh, his adopted like siblings, step siblings, because um, mm-hmm. I mean, really, the only one you see any kind of any any at all of is his uh, adopted sister, Kyoko. Yeah, which yeah. she wasn't a whole lot in the second season, unfortunately. No, and and I I kind of that's yeah you know, I kind of was kind of disappointed by that because when she is on screen, she kind of steals the scene. Yeah. Um, her dynamic with Ray was fascinating back in season one. I loved it, it every is, since she was in with him. It, it's almost as if she loves to hate him. 
Yeah. It's like she 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 knows that she hates him and she just feeds off that energy. Mm-hmm. And she just wants to be around him so she can hate him. And it's like it, it's, it, it's but there's something about them that kind of like she does feel close to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know, she's kind of messed up honestly because she <laughs> she uh actively tries to seek out older men to bang. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's kind of messed up, and I think I she... do like that one scene in season two where she's with uh, Goto, who's an older shogi player. Who's kind of they pin him as a villain for most of season one, but then in season two, there's a scene between him and Kyoko, which is kind of it's kind of silly, but it feels kind of real because of the interact with each other. When she kind of wants to just play around with him, and then it's like, yeah, I'll go to sleep, and he just ties her to the bed so she won't annoy him in night. Or something like that. Remember that? Yeah, and she that thought was he was gonna scene. like do some kinky shit. Yeah, <laughs> and then he just ties her up and leaves. Yeah, <sighs> there's so many good side characters in the show. Yeah, it's... and I mean, the Goto is another one. Like, y- y- like you say, he, they kind of paint him when you first meet him as a villain, but you kind you kind of warm up to him, mm-hmm. and then you find out that he's basically cheating on his wife with Kyoko. Yeah. Um. Which, but it's like know. he's not really trying to take advantage of Kyoko because most of the time it's like he doesn't really want her around, but something about her just helps him. And they don't delve into it too much in season two because that it's it goes into the structure of the show, which we can go on to later. But it just they don't really go into that dynamic too much. Yeah. Hopefully they'll go into it further along the line. I will say that Goto cheating on his wife is made all the more kind of nasty by the fact that his wife is in a coma while he's cheating Right, on I her. forgot about that. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I mean, he's not really a great guy. If you no, think no, about and it. they never really tried to redeem him as a character, but it's, at first you see him through Ray's eyes, which is like a very bad old man, but he's not really, it's just a guy with some problems and again the show isn't trying to tell you yeah he's actually a good guy it's like no he's just a dude for better yeah. or for worse yeah um and then of course you have one of uh, a character who became one of my favorites by the end of season two and that's like the eternal best friend character of nikaido yeah Nikaido's i loved great. him by the end of season two Back in season one, I loved it from the get-go, where he's like, he's stealing Ray's invitation to some shogi match. Yeah. Or something like that. It's like, this is mine now. Yeah. You can't have it. It's just, he's so energetic, and you can see how he's trying to help Ray be, like, more, you know, get him to be more, like, I don't know if sociable, just to be more talkative and stuff, because it's just, that's the type of person Nikaido is. Yeah. And you contrast that with Ray, who is like, uh, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable here. And it's it's great. I love it. Yeah, I mean, and, and you also find out about, uh, like, I think about three quarters of the way through season one that he has a really chronic illness that yeah. he's never going to get over. And mm-hmm. that kind of, like, cements him as, like, this really sympathetic character. And it's like, yeah. you kind of want him to get better, even though you know he's not going to. The show gives a really good treatment to most of its principal cast and like also some minor characters. I mean, we near the end of season two, we have one of the uh, older shogi players who is uh, up against uh, Shimada, who is a younger shogi player, 
who's also like a terrific character himself. But oh yeah, Shimada is pretty great too. Yeah, but the older guy, and then so they go into like why he keeps playing, and they talk about his the type of burden he carries. That he and all of his friends, when they were young, they started playing shogi like professionally, and he's the last one of the group who's still playing. And he like his goal is he's trying to still carry on that spirit of all of them playing together, by by that he, he tries to keep winning, and it's like and they go over like his motivations for a few episodes. It's fascinating because before that I was like, oh, he's a cool character, but we didn't see much of him. But then they're like, no, this is the kind of person he is. This is his goals, his ambitions, what he wants to do with his life. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, another another great character from the second half of the second season is Soya. Yeah, um, the Meijin or like the about yeah, him. he's the, he's the current reigning Meijin, which in the Shogi world is like the the head honcho, like the the best of the best. Yeah, um, and then it's really it's really great because that you 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 hear about him in the first season, you actually see him a couple of times, but you never really like Ray never talked to him really, um. And he's certainly not on screen long enough for you to kind of get, like, judge, you know, what kind of a character he is. Yeah, it's very mysterious. In yeah, but in, in the second season, you have Ray end up playing him um, mm-hmm. in a shogi match. And then so there's, like, an entire story arc just dedicated to this match. It's, like, four or five episodes long. Um, and then you get to, to, to see the kind of person that he is. And then you find out that he's fucking deaf. That he can't I mean, even hear. I mean, not completely, but yeah. Yeah, but most, I mean, he, his hearing comes and goes, which tells me it's actually not, uh, it's not like anything wrong with his ears. It's uh, something in his brain. But, uh, Maybe. like, it comes and goes, and most of the time he can't hear, which is why he always acts so, like, crazy and aloof, because he's just basically pretending to understand what people are saying. That that was just, that was a really good episode or two, when you actually get to see the interaction between Ray and Soya, where Ray's kind of, like, and it's funny to think about Ray is actually like being like, okay, uh, we need to figure out what train takes us to this place. And oh shit, okay, we need to find our hotel. Okay, let me go and try and find out which hotel is nearest so we can go ahead and sleep. And that's weird when you think about it for Ray, right? Because yeah. he's actually like trying to figure out how to like keep going and do some basic shit to, you know, go to sleep and eat something and the ray of episode one of season one would never do that no 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 um i would say that that through his interaction with soya he definitely becomes a much more like personable character like much more outgoing and extroverted because of it and it it's made all the more ironic because it's it it, it, the person that causes this to happen is someone who can't hear and barely talks yeah um but yeah, I love that. I love that person. I love that uh, that story arc with Soya and the the whole Meijin. Uh, like, it's it, the the whole match they play doesn't even mean anything. It's a whole commemorative like thing just to get people like interested in watching on TV. Yeah. Um, but, but I thought it was through really that well match done. you get to learn a bit about Soya and Ray, which is oh yeah. Interesting. Um, I just don't think there's enough I can say about it. even the most minor characters that you may even see for one or two episodes, like just. Even the fucking cats in the Kawamoto house. Jesus Christ. Oh, I love so it. so fucking cute. They actually, like, have this... They kind of talk, and they're like, Oh, I want food as well. Pet me, pet me. And it's adorable. <laughs> yeah. 
like the Kawamoto household is like it's it's it, right at the beginning it was it's so perfect how it contrasts with Ray being alone because when Ray's alone it's very melancholic and heavy which makes sense he's a very depressed person and then when he reaches the the Kawamoto household it's very colorful and the music is very bright and cheerful and yeah. the sisters are all like oh it's cool for you to come over and the cats are like oh pet me and <laughs> they talk about how they want to eat food and make sweets and even when it's like very brightful then Akari would talk about their finances and which very interesting they're kind of poor to be honest at least in, at the beginning the sisters because but it's still very in a, it's still painting a very colorful picture because they're trying to keep this family together and it's, yeah for sure it's special it's, I, it, I love it, it. yeah it, it, it's fun to watch that dy- dynamic change over the two seasons yeah um so I mean I could go on about the characters forever but we need to move on to the next topic that we want to talk yeah about. we better <laughs> um um and the, the thing I definitely want to hit on is that this show covers various different themes in its story. Yeah. Um, and one of the big ones, we've already talked about it, it's how it handles depression. But mm-hmm. another one that I want to talk about, and I think one that's even more um, more poignant, especially like today, is how it it deals a lot with how different people deal with loss. Um, right. Because over the course of the show, different people lose different things. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's Ray losing his parents or the Kawamoto sisters losing their parents. Um, Ray losing Shogi matches and become it, it becomes apparent that he might actually lose his rank or be demoted. Um, or Ray causing someone to lose their rank. Which is something I actually... Okay, I, I, fuck it. I'm going to talk about it anyway. So, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm going to fucking talk about it anyway since you mentioned it. So one of the like the biggest moments for me in the show... like Throughout season one, I thought it was really, really good. But there was a specific moment in season one where the show went from being really, really good to just one of the greatest ever. <laughs> and it's it's a scene that's become known sort of colloquially as, what, uh, as Ray's rant. And it happens right after a shogi match that he has um, with I forget the guy's name now, um, but he was only there for one one uh, episode. Um, yeah, uh, Yasui, that was his name. Yasui. He's an older. Um, he's a re- he's an older guy um, who's kind of having trouble with like his marriage, but and he loses kid. he loses a match to. Um, to Ray and th- losing this match actually ends up getting him demoted, and which means less income and yeah, know. which mean yeah means less income, less notoriety, less you know, less prestige. Um, right. And for someone, and apparently for someone who's getting older, older in the shogi world, that's a really bad thing if you have less prestige because people are less willing to play you. Um, but. After that match, Ray buys him like a, a gift. It's like a, a consolation gift. Say, hey, I'm sorry I beat you. Here's, you know, try, he's trying to be nice. Yeah. But then um, he kind of rejects the gift that's given. Yasui rejects the gift that's given to him. And um, he, he just yells like just absolute obscenities at Ray, telling him he's a horrible person. How could he make him, you know, get demoted like that? All that shit. And then, like, Ray 
fucking loses it like after this happens like and then he, and then what I think what really made Ray snap was the fact that him losing and getting demoted resulting in him getting divorced from his wife and he basically yeah. was telling Ray that it was his fault that it all happened and like this all hits Ray all at one time and he runs like to the riverside in the town that they live in and he throws everything to the ground and he gets on his knees and he just screams at the sky and just starts having like a, f- a fucking temper tantrum there on the ground. And he says, yeah. like, is it all my fault? Why is everything always my fault? <laughs> and it's a very cathartic moment. It's like it is up until that point. Ray has been a very quiet character, you know, and that's like the very first time we see him like crack. You know? Yeah. And he cracks hard. Oh yeah. Um and just just watching that I cried when I watched that that scene. It's a so, very powerful moment. And and it's it's portrayed re- I haven't gotten to that part in the English dub and I really can't wait to see how well it's done in the English dub, but in the sub it's it's really the the Seiyu for Ray did a really good job with that scene. Yeah. And uh that that for me is one of the one of the greatest single scenes in anime ever, honestly. Just for like it, it it's a turning of the corner for Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that that goes into the theme of dealing with loss. I mean, in a way, even though Ray won the match, he lost a friend and he lost a companion. Yeah. Um, and his the, his um. This competition ended up blaming the loss and the loss of other things in his life on him. Yeah, and Ray is like not sure what is right and what is wrong in that situation, which yeah. is quite fascinating. And plays later in a different scene, which I'll touch on later. But how he views what's right and wrong because he's not really sure himself. What is he doing? If it's right or wrong, is he at fault or not? It's, yeah, it's very interesting. And, and and that's that's something else that this this anime deals with a lot. It's it it brings up these moral conundrums of of what is the right thing to do in this situation, like is it, it? And sometimes the right thing to do isn't always going to be the thing you should do. Like sometimes inaction mm-hmm. can actually be the best thing you can do. Yeah. And I, it's like it, it's fun as as a, as a member of the audience watching these people wrestle with these moral conundrums is like what should i do especially because so many of them uh, they wrestle with it internally and you actually get to see that process of them wrestling with it especially with um hinata there's a there's an arc in the second mm. season where um in the school that she's at um there's a bully in her yeah. class and there's like there's a good seven episodes at least that's dedicated to her trying to find out what the right thing to do in the situation is because she's one of the ones being bullied but yet one of her best friends is also the one being bullied and she's being bullied more than Hinata is yeah to the point where she's having like mental breakdowns and then and, like her friend is like being like she left school because yeah. it was too much for her well and not and the perfect... not just that everyone tells yeah. Hinata that that she went to another school. But she didn't because when they actually go see her, you figure out what she's in. She's in a mental institution. She's not in a school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but to bring it back to the point, because uh, it's very uh, wow. Because <laughs> now that I think about it, when you contrast, okay, so we just talked about that scene when Ray is like breaking down and he's not sure what is right and what is wrong. 
Now, contrast that to a scene in season two in, like, this arc. So there's, like, a very... Oh, it's a, it's a brilliant moment where Hinata runs away to the river and she's, like... She's, like, going there and she's crying because it's just too much for her. And Ray's running after her and he's trying to talk to her and see what's up with her. And she and she talks about her situation at school. But then she says, I was not wrong. I'm not wrong for doing what I did. And then that's another turning point for Ray. Because he wasn't sure of his like what's wrong and right with his action. But then he sees her and she's determined and she's sure yes she did the right thing and that's another one that inspires him and then it's like just trying to help her out and gives him further motivations to help her that's brilliant writing in my opinion yeah and then there's that that moment right at the end of that where ray reaches out his hand and says i'll always be here because you saved my life once and that just that hit me so hard oh my god I just I I fucking broke down the Avon. That arc with Hina is incredible. It's it ah. it is. It's one of the most emotional things I've ever seen in anime, and to see how she ends up like overcoming it, and yeah, moving on with her life, but yet still reconciling with the past. Mm-hmm. It's just it's fun to watch because you actually get to see her. I mean, she is she is a middle school student. You get to see her kind of mature a lot in that arc. Yeah. Because she goes from being kind of like this cute, like bubbly girl to being this really, um, just ball of tears, really. When that, when, like, the arc begins when everyone's at the Kawamoto household, then Hina walks in and she's like, like, she's looking down and she looks like something's up with her. And, like, and you, you never see Hina like that. And it's like, okay, what's up with that? Yeah, and her clothes are like then, torn and she's missing a shoe. Yeah. It's like, cause she, I mean, she's obviously been bullied, so. Yeah. But. It's and it, it was also arc. fun to just watch everyone in that household just come together. And it's like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through yeah. this. Oh, I love the sisters so much. Their dynamic is it's so precious. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, again, an example of how the themes kind of interweave with the narrative. Um uh, and like I said, letting go of the past, Hinata is able to just let her past be and move on with it after she confronts it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's great watching that happen because it's it's almost a cathartic experience. Because I think everyone at some point or another has that moment like in their childhood where they realize that, okay, now is the time for me to step up and take control of my life and not let other things control me. Right. I think that's what you actually get to watch Hinata do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely another one of those moments that's definitely going to stand out. Um, that, In fact, like you said, that whole arc is just, it's well, it's so well written. It's fantastic. I have um, a question for you be- before, because we're kind of jumping all over the place, but before we leave the topic of themes we we find very interesting in the show, like depression is, at least for me, like the biggest uh elephant in the room you could say out of all yeah, these heavy sure. topics um, I, t- I told you this before but I feel like this show helped me get a better understanding or grasp of what depression feels like but I want to hear from you like what does it feel do you feel like it represented in a 
good and like realistic way. I think so, yeah. I think it's probably one of the most realistic I've actually seen in anime. Um, actually, I would say along the lines of something else that came out a couple years ago, and that was an anime called Orange, um, which right. also dealt with... It was a different type of depression, um, but I also thought it uh, handled it very realistically, even though the sort of the narrative it was kind of unrealistic in that it deals with time travel, but... Um, the way the character was portrayed was actually realistic. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I think that it, um, as someone who has, who experiences it every single day, um, it's pretty much spot on as to what it's actually like. In fact, and this will kind of lead us into the kind of the la- one of the last things we want to talk about. Um, I think the OPs and the EDs hit on it probably oh, as yeah. good or better than the actual story does. Um, like the the first OP has so many moments of like Ray, like just being stuck in this water, unable to move, or like this image of doors underwater that you can't open because you know and stuff. It's very yeah. much on point. And there's a there there's a uh, there's a specific moment in the first ED of the show. The first two EDs, by the way, are are the first two OP the first two OPs and EDs. Um, are both done by Bump of Chicken, which is also no, one of the wait. greatest, first the greatest OP band and first names. First Bump of Chicken. Yeah. yeah, first OP and first ED are both done by Bump of Chicken, which is the best band name of all time. Um, <laughs> it is. Um, but they're also really well done visually, uh, as well as the music, which is spot on and just beautiful. Um, yeah. But there's Bump a specific... of Chicken have like, this very distinct energy in them. They do. There's a, a specific moment in the, in the first ED which you get to see Ray sort of standing like with his toes in this water that's like just just above his feet but the water like very quickly rises to above his head and that's mm-hmm. exactly what living with depression day in and day out can feel like at one moment you're you're fine and you just got your toes in the water and then the next you're fucking drowning that's exactly yeah. what depression feels like and it's kind then of that scary to see it so well like represented. Like, yeah, but then that same idiot goes to showing like rising above that water and like just you know going on and it's yeah, like as much as the show can depict depression in a very heavy way, it can show like characters rising above their limits. Yeah, and it's also worth pointing out that the first that the first couple ops and eds have a pretty dark um, color palette. But then with the second season, the OPs and EDs all have pretty bright color palettes. Mm. With the exception the of the OP final in ED. Which is super colorful. Yeah, with the exception of the final ED, which mm. starts dark and ends very colorful. Yeah. Oh, that final ED is terrific. It is. That final OP is terrific. Um, all of them were so good. <laughs> yeah. Union Square Garden did the final OP, and I thought that that was just... Good job. Because of how everything's sort of getting happier, I thought that the music definitely portrayed that very, very well. Um, but then again, uh, there's like this. There's a in throughout the opus, and it is a lot of small moments which just are super touching to me and give me like shivers and stuff. I think there's one moment in the last op that just put, puts a smile on my face every time. It's like it's when the Kamado sisters and their grandfather take a picture and there's and then you see the picture themselves and each reaction 
each other faces is different. It's wonderful. And then yeah. it proceeds to seeing Ray. Because a lot of one constant, especially in the second season, in terms of the visuals, seeing Ray like just running towards something, which is as we find out toward like with each OP, it's basically him running towards the Kaomoto sisters, either for him trying to get help or him helping them out. And it's beautiful seeing how the OPs portray that relationship and yeah. dynamic and how he grows up. It's it's great. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned before, just <sighs> the overall soundtrack reinforces those themes, I think. For sure. Um, for sure. I, we don't I have a question for you before we move all on. Right, we don't have it written down in the notes, but do you have any like thi- things you any flaws you find in the show because i have uh, i have one but i want to hear yours first if you have any oh i think you pointed it out to me yesterday when we were talking and there are definitely a couple of moments here and there where the animation kind of takes a dump (laughs) a little bit um i don't think that detracts from the story personally um for sure i mean (sighs) i think for me though because you will notice it that the show Shav decided to adapt this show very closely to the source material in terms of structure. Yeah, like each episode is like chapter one, chapter two of the manga and stuff. And then yeah, ba- basically almost all the almost yeah, almost every episode covers two chapters of the manga. Yeah, and they don't really shuffle things around like some shows do to you know try and keep the pace in like um, more you know suitable for TV. I think this leads to several moments where, because they insist on adapting each chapter in the way it was, like, in the way it's supposed to be ordered, I think it can lead to some moments, like, the first episode of season two feeling a bit kind of weak, because season two began with, and the first half of it was kind of a more comedic type of, uh, you could say, episode. I would Which, say very. It wasn't comedic. bad, but you could feel like the it was. You could feel the pacer was a bit iffy. If yeah, you know I, mean, I, mean. I would agree with that. I thought. I thought the first. I thought probably the first episode of the second season was probably the second season's weakest episode. Yeah, it was still good, but I feel like that's a mentality with that Chef took to this adaptation. That I don't think it's a bad one, but it could lead to some uh, problems because. They don't, like, again, I haven't read the manga, so maybe they did change some stuff that I'm not really aware of. But it feels like that structure is a bit limited. But who knows? I mean, it's still, it's still uh, a great shot. I just wanted to point from it From what I've heard, they're doing a pretty one-to-one adaptation. Out. So, I mean, and, mm. and, and it could, it could lead to some... picking up the could, manga? Do what? Are you thinking of picking up the manga to compare? I I absolutely am thinking of, of picking up the manga. Um, I don't know when, um, but I definitely want to. Mm. If for no other reason to continue this story, because unlike after the first season, we were told almost immediately that the second season was coming later that same year. Uh, but we didn't get yeah, such an, right. we didn't get anything this year. So, um, yeah, hopefully we will, but. You know, Shaft is kind of busy with also Monogatari, so we'll see. Yeah, um, and apparently doing in-between animations for the new Ace Attorney anime, so... Eh, sure. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I do hope, 
as I said toward the beginning of this, that um, Shaft will give this sort of the Monogatari treatment and give us a full adaptation. It's worth pointing out that um, as of at least of this recording and as of the end of the second season, so the first two seasons adapted the first 89 chapters of the manga, which is the first nine volumes. Uh, there are currently 13 volumes out and 139 chapters. So there's kind of, there's enough material currently out there where they could do another season of anime if they wanted, and they'd definitely catch up to the source material. Um, yeah. I, I don't to know how fair, much longer... Though. Yeah, to be what? fair though, if they do like take a bit of a break for March, they did leave it in a pretty good spot, I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. The final yeah. episode. Um, do you want to talk like about the that final for a moments second? of? Yeah, like the final moments of season two were precious. Yeah, especially the second half of that final episode. Oh, you know. <laughs> I know, right? Where you actually get to see the. Um, that friend that she made in middle school, he's going off to another middle school or another high school far away from her. And he's like, I'm never going to see you again. And then she cuts her hair and all of the sisters and her grandfather are kind of like teasing her. And it's like, Oh, it looks kind of weird. But then races, it's like, mm, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Looks and good. just this Ray's reaction to it is like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Looks yeah, good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Looks good. Looks good. I like it. <laughs> And he just keeps repeating that over and over again, like he's trying oh, to convince I want to see himself. Them get together. But yeah, that and 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 at the end, she ends up going to the same high school that Ray does, so they get to walk to school together. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. They're gonna hold hands, man. Please. They're gonna have to censor that part. Right? Too cute. <laughs> too too lewd. Yeah, March Can't is have... just a special show. It is. It's like, it's very. I remember. Special. I remember one scene in particular that really got me for some reason. It's a scene where uh, I can't for the life of me remember too much of the specific, but it's back in season one where Ray and Momo, the younger sister, they're like in the, in the house together and they're talking and she's like, for some reason she reminded Ray of his younger sister who's dead. And, it kind of makes it tear up, and she's like, why are you crying? And for some reason, I got really misty eyes back then. <laughs> I was like, why am I crying indeed? It's <laughs> shit. And there's so many, like, very quiet moments like that in the show. It's starting to hit you, man. It's starting yeah, to hit it you. Yeah, it hits you, and you kind of realize, like, what those characters mean to you and what you want yeah. to see of them. You want to see them get through their problems and be better. And especially with the second season, which made me realize how much I love Hina as a character, it's like, man, yeah, this show is like super powerful. I would say for anyone like myself who's thinking of uh, picking up the manga, it hasn't been officially licensed in English yet. Oh, so you might have to sail the seven seas if you actually do want to read it in English. It has been translated though. Yar. I know there is a tra- there is a fan translation out there. I'm just just putting that out there. Um, I'm fucking I, whoever has the light. Who the fuck has a license for this? Um, probably Katakawa. <laughs> fuck Katakawa. <laughs> Give me my Konosuba season three Katakawa. Come on. Oh no, it's not Katakawa. It's Kodansha. Oh okay. You're good. <laughs> But yeah, um, I'm really hoping, like I said, that Shaft will pick this up for a third season. 
Um, the first two seasons have been great. And actually, it's worth pointing out that, not that I typically give these things a whole lot of uh, credit or pay them much attention, but currently on Mal, uh, the second season of March Comes Like a Lion is sitting at number eight on their all-time anime list. So hmm. it's got the good eighth, job. It's got the eighth highest average score at a nine point one zero. Not saying that you should manipulate the scores, but if it <laughs> if only we can increase that average by point zero two, we can get it up to number five. Just saying, <laughs> if you were so minded, fly, my pretties, fly, fly, fly now. Do my bidding. <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 I think that you would agree with me. It definitely deserves that high score. Um, I think it deserves the recognition and praise it got so far. Yeah, I would From also like to. I'd like. To, I'd like to point out that in the top ten, it has the least amount of viewers, but one of the highest scores. In Wait, fact, isn't that that award goes to Rakugo Shinju season two? <laughs> what the low, the lowest, the lowest viewership but the highest score? Yeah, I don't know what is it actually sitting at right now. Let me look. Go watch Rakugo Shinju now. Yeah, that's it's his. That's his, <laughs> that's his plug for the day. Um, I'll never stop plugging that. Is show. Rakugo <laughs> even on the top in the top fifty? Season I, two, yeah. I can't find it. <laughs> it's in. Let me check. It's. Number Looking 24. at it right now. Maybe I missed it. 24. 24. With 72,000 members. There it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's sitting at 8.87 with 72,050 members, which is actually pretty close to what March has. March is um, 75,675. Again, Mal is stupid as fuck. We don't care about it, but it's eh, true. whatever. It is worth pointing out, though. That something with such a low viewership has a high score. Um, not that I pay attention to such things. <clears throat> Hashtag 10 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, the last thing... I'll ask you something to end this out. So if we do get a third season, what do you want to see? Not knowing, obviously, the actual story of the manga. Yeah, for sure. Um, two... Okay, I'd like to see two things in particular. I would like to see... A further like exploration of Hina's and Ray's relationship, because now I actually want to see them go together and you know be an actual couple, and so that will be kind of interesting to see how that would affect both of them, especially Ray, because you know what kind of character he is. And also, I would like to see more of Kyoko. She's been lacking in the second season, um, and I'm interested to see what's up with her now. So we'll huh. see. Um. I'm really excited for the third season, whenever we'll get it. So you're definitely on that, that Ray Hina train, huh? I was on that Ray Akari train, but man, season two got me... No. Just no. <laughs> I need Hina and Ray together now. Oh, man. I mean, I kind of want it to. Um, I will say that I, I, I went into this thinking it was just going to be a shogi anime, and I didn't know anything about uh-huh. shogi. But it ended up being so much more, and ironically, I probably learned more about making sweets than I did about ma- playing shogi in this show. Yeah, that's an aspect we didn't really touch on, but the making sweets part of it, it's because the sisters and the grandfather run on a sweets shop. It's, yeah. Ah, oh, it's wonderful. And the, the, there's, a lot of time, there's a lot of time spent of the, the sisters explaining how they make the sweets. 
And I learned more about that than I probably did about Shogi, even though the show tried to teach me how to play. <laughs> yeah, Shogi looks like a fun game. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's actually a good, a good spot to end it. Yeah. This right, is well, a good show. It's a great, it's a great it, show. Listen, it, 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 if you've made it this far, you either a watched or, like I said in the beginning, you believe in the spoiler paradox. Trust me, if you, if you're the latter, it's worth your time. It's two seasons of twenty two episodes. You get to fall in love with these characters. There's enough time spent where you can actually feel something for every single one of the characters that you meet, um, and everything's done with a great amount of respect and and caring. Um, for sure. I don't know if this is this. I don't really know how Shaft ended up getting the license for this. I feel as though, based on how it was made, this might have been a passion project for one of their animators. I don't know. Um, it certainly feels that way at times because you can see there's a lot of heart that went into making this. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's it's worth it. It's worth its high score on Mal. It's worth all the praise that it gets. And it's now my number two anime of all time. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to this. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing these things to you. Uh, if you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our brand new Discord server where we post some of the lewdest things you've ever seen in your life. Uh, I'm sorry if anything Shinoda post ever makes you have a seizure. <laughs> Or just um, come over and celebrate the wonderful thing that is Hanakawa because she's fantastic. Yes, there's you know? a lot of there's a lot of monogatari stuff that goes on on our server. Um, you can become a member of our Facebook group. You can follow our Twitch channel, and you can visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email or leave a comment down below. In the uh, and as always, links to all of the things I mentioned will be down below in the description. Uh, as always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say good night, Natai. Good morning, everybody. That's right, it's morning for you. Say good morning, Natai. <laughs> good morning, Natai. <laughs> uh... Kami-sama,